0: Welcome to the Therapist Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda Barker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And with me today is my co-host, Dr. Lucas Bellini. Hello. We are here to talk about all of the the things that graduate school didn't prepare you for, plus more. And today we have
1: Ms. Tracy Blad with us. Hello. Tracy, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, so my name is Tracy Vlad. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been in the field for about 10 years. Um, as far as my connection to Ellie, I am part of the franchising team as a clinical territory director, so that means that I am overseeing and supporting franchise owners and clinical directors in their process of opening and being open as a clinic. Awesome. So how long have you been th- a therapist in LMFT? Yeah, uh, so I entered the field about 10 years ago. Okay. Which feels like forever ago.
0: Are you still seeing clients?
1: Yes, Yeah. and supervising pre-licensed clinicians as well. That's amazing. Oh too. yeah,
2: national board approved supervisor as well. Yes. And when did you do your somatic experiencing certification?
1: Yeah, I wrapped that up early last year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. January 2021. I was creeping on
0: you on Instagram actually. And I saw a picture where you (laughs) were like, I, you were posing in front of like a big, um, banner that said somatic experiencing and you were like, I'm finished. It's done. Yes. Cool. Yes. That's awesome.
2: That probably felt like a graduate degree. That's a pretty rigorous training.
1: Yeah. It's a, uh, over the course of three years. Um, so there's three modules in the first two years and two modules in the, what they call advanced year. Um, and got to do my very last one in San Diego. Okay. Um, In person. So what goes into each module? Mm -hmm. So each module covers specific different components of like how to integrate SE or somatic experiencing into your practice. So we talk about traumas related to, you know, accidents or natural disasters or seeing horror, those types of things that each module kind of specifies to that, those types of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, And,
2: And a lot of grad programs don't cover SE for mm-hmm. a number of reasons. It's new, uh, well, relatively new. Mm-hmm. And it does, I would say that graduate programs, you can't teach somatic experiencing in grad school like you can teach structural family therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, there, there's so much more sophistication to it and because it's so involved with working with the person's body and kind of an, a, an internal embodiment of their emotions, it's not something you can just read a book chapter on mm-hmm. and feel like, okay, I can go do that now. Absolutely. Uh, and it's difficult to teach. I think a lot of professors aren't equipped to teach mm-hmm. uh, when they don't have those certifications and whatnot. So, what What is SE? what is somatic experiencing?
1: Yeah, Uh, so somatic experiencing is a trauma therapy modality and the, I guess, kind of perspective around it um, is that our bodies, obviously our brain has a fight or flight or freeze response. um, And that that functions well when we're in the wild. If we're gonna get chased by a lion, we know to run, right? Um, But that because of just advancements in just human nature, right, our brains still respond to things with a fight or flight that maybe the context obviously isn't the same, but that we have those responses in situations that we can't play out the fight or yeah. flight response, yeah. right? So then that energy gets trapped in our nervous systems. And then you see the different symptoms of behavioral or physical health.
2: Cause this stuff is all primitive, mm-hmm. yes. you know, I like get it. Is so caked in and hardwired yes. and so for thousands of years. You know our defense would signal us when there was literally like a woolly mammoth mm-hmm. you know or a tiger chasing mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and so in those situations it would properly activate right. but we would literally run right from the tiger you yeah. know or whatever it was coming to get us and so our bodies would be allowed to exercise that out and everything made sense mm-hmm. it's like now we don't wake up every day worrying about food shelter you know the elements the wild you know mm-hmm. and how we can defend ourselves and so we kind of downsize in a lot of ways the things that our defense mechanisms will activate over, mm-hmm. but because they're not like immediate life-threatening situations, we tend to suppress it right. instead of fully work it out. Exactly. And what I love about SE is like it's, it's definitely so so many of the models we teach in grad school and so many of the models that have been the foundation of the various disciplines, counseling, social work, MFT, psychology. of them were developed before we cracked the code on neuroscience, Mm -hmm. you know, before we fully understood the extent to which mental health is a product of every aspect Mm -hmm. of our body, Mm -hmm. you know, neurologically and how that's tied into our uh, central nervous system and pretty much our entire biological system. And so SE is one of the first models that is teachable, that is applicable, uh, that is based upon those neuroscientific findings Mm -hmm. and so it's super exciting yeah I also imagine it's intimidating Mm -hmm. for a lot of people yeah
1: I I think it can be especially because like you're saying like a lot of it is founded in neuroscience and so some of the things you read around it like it's all physiological you know language and then neurological language and it can definitely get cumbersome for sure but
2: it's digestible yeah so that's what I love about this stuff Mm -hmm. like you know Siegel stuff and interpersonal neurobiology Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Levine stuff with SE Mm -hmm. it's like they've learned so much about neuroscience that they figured out how to teach it, you know, and transcribe Mm -hmm. it in a book in ways that Mm -hmm. I would say anybody Mm -hmm. could digest and understand.
1: Absolutely. And so
2: so don't be intimidated Mm -hmm. because it's accessible, Mm -hmm. but the best part is like when you're through it, you feel so smart, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like it's just, you you feel more competent and grounded knowing that there's much more to the people I work with and to humans in general than cognition and behavior for sure.
1: Right. And I think, too, when you're explaining then trauma to a client and you can use concrete things like neurobiology and physiology, it's like, oh, that makes way more sense than like, why does my whole body hurt after I go do such and such a thing?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: You hear a lot in the in the realm of like top
0: down approaches or bottom up approaches. Could you explain what that might mean, especially in relating to somatic experiencing?
1: Yeah. So with this, I I might not get it completely right. But so like top down being that like, OK, instead of just saying like, well, everything's coming out and what is it? It's like, OK, well, like what's what's contributing to it? And like, what are some of just like how do we become more aware mm-hmm. basically of just different responses we're having and, and creating more of a thread that way versus just like picking one thing like, oh, well, I'm anxious. And so my whole narrative is around just being anxious mm-hmm. instead.
0: Well, and my understanding, too, is it's, like, somatic experiencing is a bottom-up approach, too. Yeah. And, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, so many psychotherapies are that top-down approach where it's, like, you, you, <clears throat> you start at, like, your brain. And then you say, okay, this is why this is happening. And then you know, you're going through talk therapy and then you see the symptoms relieved. But for somatic experiencing, it's the opposite where you start at the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes. I I'm not obviously I don't know much about this. So I'm, I'm excited for you to kind of run with this. And, tell and us a lot more. of models
2: aren't even a top down, they're just a top model. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they sure. just mm-hmm. focus narrowly and exclusively on cognition. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, and that's why I, like with CBT and DBT, like a lot of these cognitive behavioral models they don't, it's like they can be effective when someone's in the treatment. Mm -hmm. Like you'll see a symptom reduction from their first session to their last session, but they dwindle almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Like the effects are not withstanding whatsoever. With that, see, it's totally different Mm -hmm. because you're actually getting to the core of of what's driving it and you're giving them such a more profound relief of it. And, you know, I, I would just plug in too, as we really get into it, what I love most about SE, and I could, I'd probably say the same thing about IFS, Internal Family Systems, is I've, as a clinician, it's always been about emotion for me. You know, it's like, there's always this focus on cognition and what we're thinking and how we can change our thoughts, which would change our behavior. But like the growth that I've seen in my work with clients is always a product of emotional experiencing, of getting in touch with the things that mm-hmm. they've been suppressing and holding in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And when you can so- facilitate a process where they release that it's powerful Mm -hmm. and they feel different. You know, it's like they walk out of that room after their first, like truly cathartic cry, when they know what they're crying about, you know, it's like, that's powerful. But the model that I've always used is symbolic experiential therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredibly difficult model to teach. Like it's not manualized. Like Whitaker is the founder of it. And he refused to even acknowledge that he has a model. Like he mm-hmm. didn't want to write about it. You mm-hmm. didn't want to operationally define it because the premise of symbolic experiential therapy is just be using as much of yourself in the here and now of the moment. And so it's a lot more learning about yourself and you kind of have to live that philosophy as an individual, but with S.E., and IFS, it's like they've, they've, they have manualized it enough, but mm-hmm. they haven't manualized it in a way where it's rigid, mm. you know, like there's mm-hmm. still so much flexibility mm-hmm. in how the practitioner can creatively use the teachings from the method to create those experiences with clients, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is brilliant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. And kind of to your point, Miranda too, about kind of like it being a bottom-up process, like it, we don't jump to like, what is the problem, mm. right? It's almost like the opposite of like, we, we start with like, what is working? Yeah. And like the, the foundation is being regulated. We do not, like they're already dysregulated coming to therapy, right? So we can't do more dysregulation work if they're already dysregulated, right? So if we can like just practice being in our bodies and being regulated in our bodies in that way, and most people don't even know what that means to be in your body, right? And I think sometimes, like I've worked with a lot of clients that it's like, well, can you notice like sitting in the chair? And they're like, no. You know, or I had a client who was working like through like some dissociation. I said, well, what if you just like look around your space right now? Mm -hmm. Because it was a virtual session and she did. And she like came to tears because she's like, I've just never noticed how green my plants are. Wow. And so to be able to just like be like, oh, what is it like in this moment? to just like Mm -hmm. be so present in that. you know, I think really to again build that foundation and then work your way out of like, okay, now how do we like build capacity for this? Mm-hmm. So that when you are, when your body is ready to go into those trauma responses again, you feel like you can tolerate it mm-hmm. too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So does SE really start at kind of the behaviors and the symptoms then and trying to work through those?
1: Um not necessarily. Okay. No. Again, I would say like a lot of it is first just becoming aware of your body. Mm-hmm. Like a, a term that some of my peers and I use is called a floating head. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can think all you want about stuff, or like you know the people who kind of like minimize their experience and stuff and say they're fine. But like if you're fine, you're but you're in therapy, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's it's just kind of starting with just even connection of like oh like you know. Well, when you talked about like your day and being it being really nice outside and you like the snow's finally gone and everything like I noticed, as you said that, like your shoulders just dropped a little bit. Like, can you bring your attention there and just sort of notice that first? Mm-hmm. Um, and Essie is uh, kind of what to Lucas was saying is really, really, really slow. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So many people are like, Okay, hey, I'm here. I want to get fixed. I want to be better. I felt like I've got a life to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and Essie is much more about like, wait, can I just like can we just pause for a second? Mm-hmm. Like you know, I notice you're sitting like this as you talk about how yeah. things are fine, or like <laughs> you know, I can see you twitching a lot or whatever the case is. And when you bring attention to that stuff, the clients are always amazed.
2: It's like that they've never they've never thought about what their body's doing. Yes, mm-hmm. when they're conscious and engaged. Yes, like they have no idea.
0: It kind of reminds me of like when you're watching a TikTok or a reel or something, and then it says like, okay, now like un- unclench your jaw and like drop your shoulders, and then you're like. Oh wow! I didn't even realize I was it's like doing my jaw's that. not
2: clenched. Wait, I know it is. It's
0: like oh, called out. Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: and I like to reflect to clients too. Like at some point, I'll ask them like, "Have you noticed like how still I am when I sit, and like how relaxed I am?" Mm-hmm. And then you know they'll pay attention to it, and then I'll uh, mimic you know, how they're sitting, Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: acknowledge how much tension they're holding, Mm -hmm. you know, and how they're fidgety, you Mm -hmm. know, and they're moving around, you know, it's like, that's, that's a good way to start to anchor them into a different mindset, where they start to experience mental health differently. Mm -hmm. Because clients, you know, like the general public, they assume it exists in our head, and only our head. And just society in general, it's like, who's been taught at a young age, the significance of going into your body, Mm -hmm. and paying attention to what's going on in your body, But that's not only neuroscience. I mean, it's a lot of what neuroscience has done is established what Eastern philosophies have known for centuries.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like
2: your relationship to your body. uh, Mindfulness and meditation is all about, it's not about not thinking, it's about activating all of your senses at the same time Mm -hmm. in the very same moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and how much just more grounded you are. Right. Uh, so it's, it's even that in and of itself, like the client's first introduction to the interior of mm-hmm. their body, which mm-hmm. we acknowledge as a additional sense now, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. I think that's like the sixth or seventh sense is mm-hmm. the interior mm-hmm. of your body. And that's a I I would say the most important one there is.
1: Yeah. I would say even to kind of to that point where you said, like, sometimes you just like help acknowledge, like, do you notice like how I'm still and how you're moving? Like something like a skill we're taught is to mirror. Right. And so when they start to lean in as they're talking about something and like providing that reengagement of like Mm -hmm. yes please bring this to me like i want to hold it with you it just even like even that body connection that energy connection just shifts the session i think entirely sometimes because they need that unspoken language of like i'm very in this with you Mm -hmm. um you know and i think that's something as a practitioner of this that i've learned is like how sensitive my own nervous system actually is just as a whole um and so when clients are going through things, sometimes it's a nice like just moment of like, wow, like my own body just yeah. feels so heavy right now. Like mm-hmm. this is just such a big thing to share. Mm-hmm. And even just like saying that and you can just feel this kind of like collapse happening mm-hmm. in them of like, yeah, this is like really freaking heavy. and I feel like
0: even as we're just talking about this, you know, <laughs> like I'm noticing things in my body are just being like, <sighs> yeah you know i I, even just when you're when you call attention to these things it just it automatically makes you more aware of it
2: and once you're once you establish those neural pathways where you know it's just more accessible for you to notice what's going on in your body as it's happening because your body will start to act and do these things outside of your conscious intention Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a matter of how quickly you can identify it Mm -hmm. and acknowledge it and so like even like when i If I look back at a lot of these recordings we've done, some, like I'll notice videos where I didn't realize how much I was doing this. I was was wiggling my foot, you know, or like doing something like this, or I'm doing a lot of like beard, uh, (laughs) twiddling,
0: uh,
2: which I hope the mic doesn't pick up too much, uh, but
0: we have an amazing audio engineer for that. It's (laughs) like,
2: I can, with the shout out Dre. uh, I can look back at like what the data was of that recording and identify what stresses I was carrying with me
0: that that Mm. I wasn't
2: acknowledging, Mm -hmm. you know, or that was kind Mm -hmm. of acting itself out through my body doing things that I wasn't intentionally doing with my body.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big like piece of like somatic experiencing is like our bodies don't lie, Mm -hmm. right? Like we can cognitively again say like we're okay or that we just need to push through these things, but eventually your body's going to say like, no, like we're done. Like, we just need to stop. We need to take a break. And, like, I will put you to the ground if I have to just to get you to slow down a little bit. So, I mean, what we're talking about
0: is so much mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some other kind of
1: main tenants or main parts of somatic experiencing? Yeah. Um, So with what we've noticed with a lot of people with somatic experiencing, too, is, like, again, just that, like, the energy within the nervous system because the trauma response is incomplete, Mm -hmm. right? So like anxiety, right, can look a lot that way. Because like, if the way I I describe it to clients is like, it's like if your light switch was broken and so you're on and off was just going off so much. It just doesn't even know where to toggle Mm -hmm. anymore. You're like, if you think about like getting ready to run a race, if your brain is always ready to go run a race. Like, just like the cortisol and endorphins and everything like that, it has to go somewhere. And if you don't have it go somewhere, it just stays in your body, right? So even like, I think about like shoulder tension and muscle Mm -hmm. soreness and like poor posture or insomnia or things like that. Like, it can be just a myriad of things. It just depends on like how your body holds those things, right? Like I know, for example, like my own body, if I start carrying enough stress, I feel this like really weird pain in my, like my, my sternum hmm. and it feels like this like barbed wire wrapped around my chest mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I should like probably take some PTO and like go to the beach. Mm-hmm. like That's where I need to be. Um, and that's like kind of my tell sign.
2: Yeah. And it's so important to figure out what your tell sign is. Mm-hmm. Mine's always in my gut, mm-hmm. you know, like that tight acidity mm-hmm. feeling in my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, or externally it's yeah. Like my two tendencies are like the, the foot clock, you know, kind of roll thing, um, or excessive beard twiddling, mm-hmm. twind- whatever I would call He's that. Gonna have I don't beard know. going
1: to that's, that's yeah. the real tell. Yeah, it's so
2: like <laughs> even like just this morning when I got to work, I sit down and I noticed that I was doing like twiddling my beard addition- with extra intensity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that was my cue to just take some deep breaths, mm-hmm. you know, and like calm my body and relax my body. Mm-hmm. And these are things that can happen so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, it's like once you just build it into how you exist, yeah. it's, it's, it's just so helpful. Yeah. Um,
1: That sounds like something Lucas and I were talking about just the other day about this somatic experiencing is like something I really, really enjoyed about the training was there were some of the trainers that I met, like they embody somatic Mm. experiencing like to their core. So in the advanced training I was in, the instructor was talking and she interrupted herself to be like, hold on. I'm just like noticing this thing. And she, so she stopped talking and she like processed what was happening in her body and she's like, okay, I'm good. And then she just went back on with what I was like. I love you. Like, that's so I love cool. every yeah, part love of you that. right now. It's yeah. so cool. And, like, I think, too, when we think about, like, doing trainings, like, when we're learning from people who wholeheartedly, like, believe it and walk it, like, mm-hmm. how can you not, right? Versus someone who's just kind of, like, going through a slideshow and, like, hey, we'll practice on each other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's a lot harder, sell, yeah. at least for me as a clinician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, how
2: could you live cognitive behavioral therapy? Right. If you did, you would be lacking a whole lot of meaning in right. your life right you know and so it's it's and that's what elevates you to a totally different tier of like therapist authenticity Mm -hmm. and showing up authentically and organically with your clients is when the nature of the work you're doing with them is totally parallel with the nature of the life you're living Mm -hmm. yourself it's
0: transformative yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
2: Mm -hmm. and that's where you ultimately want to get clients Mm to, you know is where you know if i a client i worked with for three years that you know if i think about them right now If I would hope that, you know, maybe this morning they noticed that their body was doing something that, you know, uh, primed them to realize that, okay, I'm stressed, there's something going on. And they took a moment to acknowledge it just like I did, you Mm -hmm. know, and kind of breathe through it. Mm -hmm. And so maybe more about, you know, this process of how this does get stuck in our body. Like one of the Mm -hmm. examples that I've read in their literature that I think was super helpful was how... Like when somebody's in an accident, maybe someone gets hit by a car, Mm -hmm. um, they're unconscious, you know, EMS comes, they get them onto a stretcher. Um, at some point they're going to come out of consciousness Mm -hmm. and what their body wants to do is like, start shaking and start Mm -hmm. fighting They're like, what happened? Where am I? And what EMS is trained to do is to secure them, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, to, to get them to stop doing that, Mm -hmm. but that's what will freeze that trauma inside Mm -hmm. of their bodies. You know, and so, like, there are so many things we could be doing differently and better based upon this knowledge. But when they come into consciousness and their body is wanting to fight, wanting to get that energy out, how important it is to give the body that opportunity to exercise it out. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, it doesn't just go away. Right. It gets stored. It gets stuck.
1: Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm wondering, though, why is this really mainly used as a trauma modality? It seems like there are so many parts of this that... And,
1: and maybe it is used for anxiety, depression, other mm-hmm. diagnoses, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say I use it with all of my clients. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. there's just, I don't see a point where it's not applicable. That makes sense. Um, but in the book, Waking the Tiger, um, so that's Peter Levine's, like, foundational book. Mm. Like, so if anyone is interested in getting more information about just SE, that's the book to read. I'll put
0: it in the description. Tell, tell
2: his story of what he, uh, yeah. what he had, like, a patient in a just physician's exam room. And he had him run from a tiger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had had a client that he was seeing and he had said like, well, what if you just let your mind wander? And the client's mind wandered to when he was a child and he was running
3: mm.
1: from a tiger and, and he just like let, you know, the client just like the, his body just kind of go through those motions and like just the dynamic shift that has happened or a big story in that book also is about having someone get in a car accident Mm. and this man's on the ground and he just said like I'm just going to support you in this and like just kind of like maintained eye contact with him and his body just kind of like he didn't restrain his body Mm -hmm. and just Just attuned to him was present
2: with him Mm -hmm. and just how different of an experience it was for that person yes and he just happened to be there
1: yeah and there's a lot of anecdotes throughout the book of clients that he's worked with that like it's releasing these like responses from trauma mm-hmm. um, and how dynamic it changes just like their functioning um, and I and I can say that you know also even seeing that in my own clients like who when we were talking about like, like that bottom up and top down piece right like well on the outside it's like well you know I kind of have like an attitude with people or I get really defensive or whatever the case is but like when I really connect to my body and like lean into like I have this strong fight response and we just like give space for that like then it's like oh like I have that much more capacity actually to like tolerate getting feedback or my react, like I'm not as verbally reactive because I'm not physiologically holding on to so many mo- like moments in my life when I did want to fight back and I couldn't.
0: Mm-hmm. So what's it like to get trained in this? You talked about it being a three year long process, yeah. three modules. Yeah. Is it like a mostly online training? Is it in-person?
1: Yeah. So prior to the pandemic, it was all in-person. Okay. Um, so I started with a cohort in St. Paul, we met We met three times a year. And then during the first module of our second year, like the end of that week is when the world shut down, mm. um, which was just wild. So then we had the opportunity to continue through the program doing it virtually, was, which was also just interesting because they're all like, we don't know how to do this <laughs> online. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then finished, finished my training in, in person. And so during that process, if you want to get completely certified in it, there are hours that they require for you to get supervision and for also you to go to a practitioner and get it done on yourself. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. I, that is, that used to be so foundational to training therapists is being a client mm-hmm. in the modality that you're getting trained in. Yeah. And it's like, when you oh, cool. do that, it immediately transforms how you relate to your clients mm, Yeah, because you've been there, you've yeah. done it. Mm-hmm. You know how you've, you've felt how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. A good example of that, I would say is when, uh, in my doc program, they brought in a psychodrama therapist and I was like, this is stupid. So Psych- that's what I, that's psychodrama? psychodrama. Yeah. So like using like drama and performing and like theater mm-hmm. practices to help people like recreate suppressed experiences in the here and now where like they fully feel it, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, the facilitator was there and she was like, all right, we need like a volunteer that we're gonna do this exercise with. And, you know, like it's going to get pretty heavy, like it's going to get emotional. And I was like, no, it's not. And everyone volunteered me. Like my whole cohort was like, Lucas, you do it. And I was like, fine, I'll do this psychodrama. Um, seven minutes in, I was bawling my eyes out powerfully like Mm -hmm. i was what this facilitator did to me was first something (laughs) i was resistant to yeah and then i was like what what kind of sorcerer are you Mm -hmm. um and then i gave her a big hug because i was so grateful Mm -hmm. i was like i was like i let out so much in that moment that i had no idea uh that i was keeping stored and holding on to Mm -hmm. and so like psychodrama it's it's just another method to get at the same thing Mm -hmm. i would say somatic experiencing is the most advanced, complete theoretical and conceptual understanding of why these things work.
1: And something that's really interesting about the trainings too, is when you are doing them, and I think they do it virtually too, but then per each like topic that gets discussed over the course of the weekend, then you do have volunteers that then the instructors do that, do the somatic experiencing on the students. Mm-hmm. And so you get to lo- watch this like live just interaction of it, um, which is even like watching it is super powerful because like then it's in that moment, like you get even more validation of like how real this is mm-hmm. and how effective it is. And it's people that like you develop these very close relationships with. So then like afterwards you talk to them and it's like, I don't even know where I am right now <laughs> like this is just so wild. And I, wow. because I feel so just relieved
2: yeah and it's disorienting at first mm-hmm. so you have to readjust your entire state of consciousness yeah because it feels different yeah everything feels lighter mm-hmm. um and that's be- like what i love about this when it's done well is not only do they have these powerfully cathartic experiences but they have a complete understanding of why mm-hmm. you know like when mm-hmm. people ask me like is it bad to cry you know, it's the, the answer to that is always no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I always say, too, is, um, like, it's never bad to cry, but there's a big difference between crying and not knowing why you're crying yep. and crying when you know exactly what you're crying mm-hmm. about.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, and SE is a method that helps people get to a point where when they do cry, one, it's a much more powerful cathartic cry, but it's, it's integrative because they know why mm-hmm. and where it's coming from. Yeah. And that's why they – that's – that's where the relief comes from, because everything kind of lines up and clicks. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. I love this stuff.
0: <laughs> so with somatic experiencing, um, like, is it an expensive training to go through? I feel like I've heard that it's really expensive, and so I've never really looked into it, but... Yes.
1: <laughs> that's, I feel like that's
0: what was being told to me in graduate school, yeah. but... Yeah. It sounds like it's worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an investment in yeah. something that like, you have to kind of financially be prepared for. Like they, how expensive is it? Ballpark. Over 10 grand. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So then the, but that's to go through like the entire process of being certified as a practitioner, yeah. like you certainly don't have to go through all that stuff if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people who've even just gone through like the first two years, just so that they have like a foundation mm-hmm. of like yeah. knowing the things, um, but yeah, so it's about twelve grand, I think, when you include doing your sessions um, and oh, consultations sure. and all that different kind of stuff.
2: And it's not a lump sum; like no. you don't need to have ten grand cash, you know, ready to go. No, uh, it's different than grad school because you do it as you're already working professionally. So it's a write-off. Yeah, yeah, well, if you, if you own an LLC, not if you're Um, a W-2. Yeah, Uh, sure. And, and it is somewhat self-paced, right? Like the different modules and how quickly you move. Yep. You can go
1: as fast or as slow as you want through the process. I think if there is a gap in trainings, of more than five years you have to go do the last one you completed mm-hmm. um before you move forward but yeah there's it's self-paced and there's lots of scholarship opportunities uh within the, like the actual institution itself as well so
2: yeah ask your employer to pay for it yeah. you know like it's, it's worth a shot but students what students after they graduated or when they're on the brink of graduating because so many therapists are just nerds you know and like lifelong learners mm-hmm. and when they're on the brink of graduating they're like i don't want to be done learning yeah. and so they're like what certification should i get you know mm-hmm. or what else can i do mm-hmm. and i always tell them that the only three certifications that i would say are worthy of their investment are if you're serious about couples work get certified in eft yep. like get some serious training in that because that's all neuroscience and attachment mm-hmm. and that's just brilliant stuff if you're serious about trauma and just more general practice, uh, somatic experiencing or internal family systems. Mm-hmm. But those are the only three. Mm-hmm. Don't do the Gottman training.
0: Oh, I like Gottman. I've well, never yeah, done the training, like, but I like love him. It's like, just read their books. Yeah. The books right. are so good. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. you, there's
2: not really a sophisticated method for yeah. right. Gottman. When it comes to practice, it's really good knowledge to know. Mm-hmm. So just read the books. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of somatic experiencing pract- or instructors that have obviously their own specialties. And so n- now they are doing trainings mm. that are founded both in their practice and somatic experience. Sure. So Diane Poole Heller yeah. is someone who she is a powerhouse in attachment, but mm-hmm. she's also like an indoctrinated instructor in somatic experiencing. And so all of her attachment stuff is integrated with somatic experiencing. And it's just the coolest stuff to listen and talk to about because she talks about how your brain and your body are wired and then how that impacts mm-hmm. yeah. how you interact and connect with other people. It's. Mm-hmm. I,
2: uh, I was able to have lunch with her at one point at mm-hmm. a conference, and she and I just got so giddy and nerded out on uh, applying therapeutic practices to large systems,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, like doing more yeah. large group macro system work, because this is when we were in the, nitty-gritty of the political divide that was emerging Mm -hmm. and so we were just talking all about how we can be using this stuff for much more than you know the number of people that can fit in a therapy office yeah and so i I, i'm pretty sure she was continuing on with that research that's what i was doing when i was researching i'm just a youtuber though
0: (laughs) one question i just thought of for essie um it's not an exposure therapy do you go through like a retelling of your traumatic story or does that you don't you're not required to do that
1: no you could do your whole session in silence if you needed to and you just let like as the clinician then you just kind of support the what the body does Mm -hmm. and and you can kind of watch that the person like their prefrontal cortex is coming on like oh this is really weird or my body's doing really weird stuff like you know what if we just lean into this a little bit like or lean into it as you're tolerating it or like Doing check-ins, um, but no, there there doesn't need to be an, any verbal. See, and I think that's one of the huge
0: valuable part points of this modality. Like, I, I'm working with a teenager. <clears throat> I'm working with a teenager right now who has been through so much trauma, does not want to talk about her her trauma history, doesn't want to kind of dive into those things, and and I'm trained in in narrative exposure therapy, and so I'm like, <laughs> well, friend, what if um, I talk about it? <laughs> Can we, can we try some of it? No. Um, but like she, I think would be an excellent candidate for somatic experiencing because she is in tune with her body and there she's experiencing so many physical symptoms Mm -hmm. that are, that are a result of her trauma, Mm -hmm. but, um, Mm -hmm. doesn't want to walk through Mm -hmm. all of those different things. And so, yeah, I already made the referral for Tracy guys. (laughs) She's (laughs) going to start seeing Tracy. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. but no, mm. I think
1: that's so valuable yeah yeah no and that's that's a piece that I really leaned into with this because prior to this I was a non directive play therapist mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. same thing of like yeah. the story's gonna come out when it needs to yeah but I'm not gonna ask those direct mm-hmm. questions like that's just that feels really gross to me as yeah. a clinician um but it's so it's amazing that like without any sort of dialogue like there can just be these huge releases of things that like keep people captive. Mm-hmm right and they don't even know it because they think cognitively like well i don't think about this thing why why it doesn't bother me we don't need to talk about it well your body needs to talk about Mm -hmm. it yeah your
2: body needs to feel it Mm -hmm. you know and like that's even the notion of somebody taking 50 minutes to be awake Mm -hmm. to not be on a device Mm -hmm. and to be quiet to not Mm -hmm. be talking and to just spend that time in their body right that is so powerful Mm -hmm. and probably for the vast majority of clients you've done that with, their first experience of it, right one of my favorite questions to ask clients is um, you know if I were to advise you to go you know get a cabin in the woods uh, that has no internet access that has nothing, and you just sit in the room quietly by yourself, how long do you think you could tolerate that mm. for mm-hmm. and they're already tense and panicked <laughs> just by the notion of that, yeah you know and then there's this old philosophical I don't think they've traced it back to a specific person but a philosophical teaching that i think is one of the most important teachings i've ever come across which is the ultimate sign of anybody's mental health comes down to their ability to sit quietly in a room by Mm -hmm. Mm themselves. because when you sit down quietly in a room by yourself everything that's stored in your body starts to creep up Mm -hmm. and come to the surface Mm -hmm. because there's nothing else to do to distract us and like that's where IFS comes in. Like Mm IFS is notion of managers. Mm -hmm. Like we have all these managers that we use on a daily basis to keep our minds occupied away from the things that we're holding inside of our body. Uh, And so when we're deprived or intentionally deprive ourselves of all of the distractions that the world gives us millions of on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. all of it starts to come up to the surface.
0: Yeah, we should definitely do an episode about IFS very soon.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll call Dick Schwartz. <laughs> he doesn't know who I am, so. You <laughs> haven't <laughs> had lunch with him. No, I did. What? Yeah, yeah, I blew it. Uh, I blew it big oh, you time because I, about yeah, this. I was like, I finally got a chance to say something. You I was wanted like, to
0: fight with him.
2: I didn't want to fight, but I was just like, you know, IFS it, it's essentially just gestalt therapy, but you don't really talk about gestalt therapy. And this guy was like, who didn't. is this yeah, guy? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He, yeah, I mean, I think he agreed, but, um, <laughs> I just shut up after that. <laughs> Uh,
0: any other last thoughts or things that you want to point out about somatic experiencing? Um,
1: I think something maybe that's like important to share is that it's something that can, you can start anywhere with, right? There isn't this like, well, once you get out like to this threshold of functioning, then you're ready for Mm. somatic experiencing. Like you can do that with somebody day one of meeting them really. Like even in a nonverbal sort of like, (gasps) it was just so wonderful. To get to spend this time with you and like even just like kind of just this natural sort of touch engagement sort of thing that again like just bringing awareness to the body like you can do that with anybody mm-hmm. right and again like the knowledge that you get that you can apply to your day-to-day life of like oh wow like i really notice when like i get to just be with my family and chase my daughter around the yard like how light i feel mm-hmm. yeah. in that right yeah.
2: Cause that's all you're doing mm-hmm. and you're doing it fully, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it makes, I love how it makes total sense to me that you went from a non-directive play therapist. Oh yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's, well, one, if, if you're interested in this stuff, you know, you don't have to start by signing up for a training start no. by paying attention to your own body, mm, yeah. you know, start by applying a lot of these practices to your own life and pay attention to what it does to you. But if you're somebody who is more experiential, who likes to be creative, who has kind of the confidence to be able to, because like with SE, it almost reminds me like family sculpting, which is a powerful intervention. Mm -hmm. But with family sculpting, it's difficult to teach because all I can teach you is how to start the process. Mm -hmm. But it's like, once you start, you have to trust yourself that you know that you're going to be able to handle where it goes because you don't know where it's going. It's like you're here, and now you're here, and you have no idea what's going to happen next. So you have mm-hmm. to be prepared to just fully open yourself up to the process as as it organically unfolds. Well, and
0: follow it. Yeah. Like I mm-hmm. think that's the that's the key. You're not leading this; you're following this. Mm-hmm.
2: You're with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And you're experiencing is. it. It's like it's, and that's why I imagine it was hard for the facilitators to switch to remote teachings mm-hmm. because this is so much based upon energy that to do it effectively you have to fully open yourself up to that attunement process where you're feeling what's happening with the client. They're feeling what's happening with you Mm -hmm. and you're just in lockstep Mm -hmm. and that's how this process comes to life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And, and kind of back to your point too, about like how they've kind of built out their program, like they're, they, as an institution are doing like really great things as far as like training availability. And even they have on their website, like info sessions you can sign up for. Instructors will just hop on calls for like a half an hour with groups and just like this, this is what SE is. Mm-hmm. And even if that still doesn't feel like enough, like there's like a basics 101, like, okay, this is a deeper dive of what it is. So you really have lots of opportunities without really getting invested if you're not ready to just still get some of those like really basic things that you mm-hmm. can carry into your practice.
0: Well,
2: awesome. You're so cool. You are so you cool, guys, Tracy. Tracy. Trace, Thank you so much Trace, for joining. Tracy also lives on 40 acres in the middle of nowhere. And I just ducks. wanted to mention that. Oh, and, and has
0: ducks. ducks. And yeah, I can't wait for your ducklings to hatch and we can go hang out. I can't you wait nice.
2: to build a cabin on your property that you'll never even know about. <laughs> I love
1: it's gonna it. It's going to be great. Well, thanks for joining. Yeah. Thank you, you guys. All right.
0: The Therapist Thrival Guide is one of many creative productions from Ellie Mental Health. Ellie is an outpatient mental health clinic that began in St. Paul, Minnesota, and has continued to expand to over 20 clinics in Minnesota and a growing number of franchisees across the country. We'll be opening over 500 locations and communities nationwide in the near future.